And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show, a podcast brought to you by the Livingston Parish News. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news, and I am joined by this gentleman who we're going to let him introduce himself in just a second. He and I connect every year, a little late this year, uh, on getting together, but we talk about what he's doing at the legislature. So, good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, good. Good morning. Uh, Buddy Mincy, state rep from Denham Springs in uh, Walker Area, District 71. And we thank you for taking the time today. We know that you're in a hurry. You are dressed to go to the House today. It is Tuesday morning, uh, so you'll be vote, voting on some things, I imagine, later in the day. Uh, but usually you're a little, dressed a little more down uh, than you are now, but of course, the uh, the dress du jour for the House, uh, if you're going to the floor for the day, you got to have on a coat and tie. Yeah, if you know me, I'm not a coat and tie guy, but uh, we do have a decorum that we are we are obligated and uh, to do, and uh, and this we we're in session, so I'll be leaving session shortly. So uh, plenty to talk about today. You've got quite a few bills. We're going to try to scoot through them as quickly as possible. Do want to talk real brief? You know, thirty seconds. It's a fiscal session. For Louisiana, those are typically heavy years. Lots of bills, lots of people talking about the money. How have you felt about the session so far? Y'all have been doing it now about six weeks, seven weeks, something like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's different. You know, every session for us has been different, and I, I guess that we, we don't have any norms anymore. Uh, but it is a fiscal session, so some of the limitations that puts on us is that we can only fi file five general bills, and um, and that really puts a limitation on you when you have a lot of needs in your area. Um, and, you know, another thing is this session is compounded by the fact that this is the last year before your term and you got a lot of people who are leaving and uh, they've got legacies they're trying to set. Uh, and then it's campaign season. So uh, that complicates us uh, as well. So the dynamics are different. You know, we know we're going to have a new uh, a new you know, leadership and legislators next year and um, as well as having a new governor. So it just uh, it makes it pretty interesting. The dynamics is pretty interesting. Right. And it's, it, it is an interesting year. Uh, lots coming up in the fall, and we'll talk about that after we get through your bills, but uh, plenty to discuss there. Uh, you know, let's start with, we're, we're going to go in numerical order okay. uh, for the bills that you have in the House, and we're going to start uh, with HB 231, uh, which is Louisiana Veterans Cemetery. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Colonel uh, Strickland um, is actually, uh, he's, a, he's a resident of Livingston Parish, lives in, in, in Walker. And uh, he reached out to me, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and we have some limitations on who can be buried in our cemeteries right now. And, um, and this bill only it just allows the, the Veterans um, the Affairs Department to promulgate rules for them to take in a new classification, if you will, of, of, of our, our armed our veterans. And uh, for instance, you know, if you were in the um, National Guard or the Armed, you know, you, you cannot be buried in one of our cemeteries right now because of, of the restrictions. And uh, so this just this just there's a whole class of, of additional veterans that uh, will enable us to be buried in our cemeteries. And we deserve, you know, our veterans deserve every every uh, everything we can do to honor them. And so this the Veterans Affairs asked me to do this. And this is this is the bill. And how is that? You know, usually we just sort of talk about it, but kind of want to get a brief update on where that stands. Yeah, normally, you know, we talk about our the bills I'm running before session starts. This one's a little bit different. You know, it's we're we're in the middle of it, and uh, we're halfway through it, and a lot of these have progressed for me already. Um, this one, might, uh, this is the Veterans Affairs bill has um, has actually been passed through the House yesterday, and it's going to the Senate. So uh, of course, it's a very highly supported. Um, don't see any opposition, so it's going well. Very good. Uh, moving on to HB 397, um, this is a, a Homeland Security bill. Uh, you kind of worked in tandem, uh, I believe, with uh, Sheriff Jason Ard 
on some of this. It's, it's about uh, disaster response. Uh, so give us a little bit of background and then tell us how you uh, came up with the bill. Yeah, you know, I, look, I've seen our, our parish respond firsthand to emergencies for a long time. My dad was a parish councilman for 16 years. I was a school board member for 13. We had the flood in 16 we had to deal with. Of course, Hurricane Ida and all the storms that we've had since I've been a legislator. And, um, you know, you're always looking for opportunities to be able to respond better. Um, and this is something that the uh, the sheriff came and asked me about. And um, and it, all it does, there's been a lot of misinformation about this bill, but the only thing this bill allows uh, would, would allow would be for the sheriff to be able to have dual authority to make entries into the web EOC. Um, it doesn't change any other authority. It doesn't, re he wasn't requesting any other authority change. Um, it doesn't, the, the declaration of emergency still resides within the parish uh, president. Uh, but all this bill would do would allow our sheriff to be able to enter request into EOC, um, the web EOC. And, um, you know, he's already working in that capacity. We have some sheriffs around the parish that are doing this for the entire, the entire parish. So it's nothing really new. Um, it's just, in, in my, my opinion, it was an opportunity for us to, uh, to be better responsive and a bit better responding in storms and hurricanes and emergencies. And, um, you know, when the sheriff asked, of course, I met with police chiefs, fire chiefs, municipalities. And the consensus was that it was this was a positive. And that web EOC portal is um, a lot of it is putting in, um, uh, I guess you can say, the things that you've done and, and, and that sort of thing or whatever entity has done them, but also requesting uh, supplies and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a two way street. And Correct. with with FEMA and the federal government being more in the reimbursement uh, business these days instead of upfront funding. Uh, it, I, I imagine that it would have been easier to get money out of them and get reimbursed for the things you did during an emergency, having access to that EOC, correct? Yeah, you know, and look, I, I think um, our sheriff is probably, I mean, they're responsible for the whole parish, and I think they're as, as, as ingrained in our emergency response in all capacities as anyone. And um, having them have the authority to be able to request a uh, rescue, for instance, or water or whatever it may be, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to have them have that authority. And in a lot of ways, they're already working in that capacity. Our, you know, our sheriff do, does works a lot with the Sheriff's Association. Uh, we have some municipalities and first responders in our parish right now that, that contact the sheriff first for, for you know, the, these types of requests. So um, it was just, it was just, it made sense and it, and it made us where we can respond better. So moving on to uh, HB 406, and but for those of you who don't know, there's HB, which is House Bill, and SB, which is Senate Bill. Obviously, you being a House rep, your your bill introductions are House bills. Uh, this is about the I-12 corridor and flood mitigation. Uh, it, it, does this have anything to do with the wall? It, it is the wall. Okay. You know, so you know, just go back a little bit and, and refresh history. You know, when I look. I, we know that that I-12 wall compounded the flooding on the north side of Dennis Springs and Walker, and um, you know it, it it was it was significant. And uh, when I when I became a state legislator, I've been working on this ever since. In 2020, I started conversations with DOT DOTD trying to resolve that issue. Um, I first went to them and said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna fix that wall, and you know we're gonna I'm gonna give you a choice." Uh, Secretary Wilson, I said, "You can do A, B, or C. You tell me which one you want to do." And he asked me, he said, buddy, he said, please don't make us do that because we don't know what the solution is. Now, this, this is four or five years after the flood, and we haven't even looked at what the solution would be to that barrier. 
Um, and so, you know, of course, there's a litigation in place. You know, there's some lawsuits that's been filed because of it. So that complicates it a little bit. But we still need to find a solution. A lot of people say that that, that what happened to us in 2016 will never happen again. Well, if you remember, it wasn't long after that, four or five months later, we had that a big event in Houston, four hours away, four and a half hours away, they dropped 45 inches. So that thing would have drifted back. We'd have had a repeat within six months. So um, it's, a, it's a threat. Um, a lot of our residents have PTSD because of that flood, especially if you're on the north side and you look out, the, you walk out your door in Walker subdivisions, you walk out the door and you look in the, 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 the barriers eye level and you know that 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 barrier was 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 filled up to the to the storm. So at any rate, in um in 2021, you know, DOTD agreed to work with me in good faith and to find a solution. So I gave them two years to give us a solution, and um, they gave us a report at the first of this year. Um, and and the report was the solutions that they gave me. They assured me they would be viable solutions, and they would make every attempt to give me something that we could do. And then we was gonna go after funding to try to fix it. And uh, the, the report was in, insulting to me as a legislator. Um, you know, their solution was to build an, an elevated structure for 30 miles at, at the price tag of $10 billion. Um, they, uh, they suggested tearing down the interstate to grade and starting over. Uh, they suggested removing the, the barrier completely and having that opposing traffic with no barrier. And then they also, you know, one thing they suggested was, was tearing down the whole thing and starting all over. So, you know, the, the report, you know, I was assured that they would give me a, some viable solutions, and, and that was far from the case. So now, you know, three years later, I'm back to square one. So, you know, I've taken that, that you know, I filed a bill that says, hey, tell us what the solution is and tell us how much it's going to cost. So then, then, then as a legislator, I can go after some capital outlay or, you know, some other funding to try to get it resolved. Gotcha. So we'll see what kind of, uh, how is that bill doing? So that bill has gone through the House, it's passed through the Senate committee, it's going to the Senate floor, and, um, you know, we're, we're, very, we're very hopeful for it. It should be okay. Okay. Well, uh, moving on, uh, getting into, um, well, I know we said we're going in chronological order, but we'll go ahead and talk about it because I know you have a couple of teacher-slash-education bills. Mm -hmm. The first one is HB 472. Uh, this is about the teacher mobility compact, which I believe is trying to be able to recruit teachers from other states, correct? Well, what it, what it is, it just it, it is an agreement. A compact has to be signed by 10 states, and they all agree to the same um, certification requirements, that type of thing, uh, background checks and so forth. And whenever you, know, you, you enter the compact and you meet those requirements, then, then you're basically the reciprocity from teachers moving from, from, parish, from state to state. Um, it's, it's basically seamless. Um, this bill was was brought to us by the Department of uh, Natural Defense, uh, National Defense. You know, our armed forces. They their their families move around, and their their some of their families are teachers, and so they're they're moving from other states, coming over here, being stationed here in, in our state, and and they're having difficulties with their certification. So this is a you know our armed forces asked for this, and it just you know it's good sense, it's good common sense. Just move some bureaucracy out of the way. We need teachers, and um, this is just an opportunity for us to uh, to have that, that agreement. Gotcha. Okay, so moving on to House Bill 514. Um, this is, there's a lot going on here. Uh, this is with regard to uh, property taxes that people in Ascension, Livingston, uh, EBR, and I believe parts of East Feliciana. No, just, just, just those three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, have been paying into the Amy River Basin Commission. It currently uh, generates roughly nine and a half million a year uh, that's locked up. 
so there was uh, some things you wanted to do uh, potentially. You wanted to offer the ARBC, which is the Amy River Basin Commission, if you're keeping up, uh, a chance to uh, use those funds in different areas since so much federal and state funding had come into the Comet Diversion Canal. Uh, so tell us where you got the idea from and, and how the bill's doing. So, you know, the Amet River Basin Commission, they, you know, it's been in the, 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 the basin was statutorily set up in 1981. So, you know, we have such a, you know, history of, of flooding in the Amet, in the Amet River area. Um, they, they set up this basin um, commission um, and basically empowered it to be over seven parishes. There are seven parishes that are included. And, um, and statutorily, they were given some authority, um, probably as much as anyone has. Um, and the problem is, is they've, they've focused on one project, the, the Comet Diversion. Um, it's, it's the Amit River Basin's one-hit wonder. It's the only thing that they've been able to produce. And um, it's a great project. We're looking forward to it. Um, as you mentioned, it, it, it primarily benefits East Baton Rouge. Um, for Livingston Parish, it, it benefits a small area. Uh, but what they did was they created the Amet River Basin Impact Area. It's the area that's most, or the, the Comet Diversion Impact Area. It's the area that's going to be most impacted by the diversion. And, um, and they passed a property tax to help generate matching funds. So in 2000 was the first year they had a 10-year property tax. In 2010, they had another 10-year property tax. So they've collected 20 years of property taxes specifically for matching funds. It was the matching funds for a federal project. Um, and it's, it has nine and a half million in there totally right now. It's, it's not a, a per year, but that's what's in the funds and it's restricted. You can't do anything with it. It's for matching funds. Well, Congressman Graves got the, the Comet Diversion federally funded 100%, no matching funds required. So in the last three years, I've been very active in, in trying to figure out the best infrastructure flood protection that we can do. And that is through the Amit River Basin Commission and uh, trying to find out funding for them. So we, we, we generated $8 million last year in surplus for them to do some master planning. And, and we looked at every opportunity for, for money for them to do projects. And we got nine and a half million that's sitting there that can't, nothing can be done with it. So um, my bill, another bill, is, there's a lot of misinformation out there on it, but um, the, this bill only allowed the Amit River Basin by vote of the people to go to the people and, and go back and, and do other projects in that basin. Um, which would include, could potentially include the code meet itself. Um, you know, there's a concern that, that this funding might be needed for the completion of the project. It's about 500 million, less than 500, but it's, you know, 400 and something, 70 or so a million over budget right now. So the concern was that we needed that money for that. That's a drop in the bucket. Um, but we've been assured by our, our, you know, congressional delegation that it is, it is going to be funded through the federal federal government. They're looking for the pot that they're going to get it from, but there's no matching requirement. So it, this gave us an opportunity to generate additional projects in the, in the COVID impact area and uh, by a vote of the people. Had to go to the vote of the people. Uh, I received a pretty good bit of opposition from this, um, and most of the opposition come from the East Baton Rouge. Uh, so East Baton Rouge, contractually, they have to, they're responsible for the maintenance for the COVID diversion. They're obligated to, to take care of that, that, that money. Uh, they, they eyed this nine and a half million and wanted to use it for operational expense, for maintenance costs. And then I think the Amit River Basin, they actually wanted to take this money and use it for operational costs, pay salaries and different things like that. And, um, you know, my focus was on projects. And when I, you know, a lot of people, when I first presented the bill, they opposed it. 
uh, because it wasn't the original intent of the money. Um, and so I came back, I made the bill, and basically we said that once the co-meet was completed, that we would refund this money to the taxpayers that paid for it. And um, I thought that was another fair approach. Um, that we were going to do projects first. Uh, that didn't work, so then we're going to refund the money. And, um, and you know, I, I ran, that, that actually failed. I, I had some opposition. But East Baton Rouge uh, was a primary focus behind that. And, um, and you know, they, 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 want, they want the money. It's, it's a money grab. It's a money grab by different ones. And I'm trying to do what I think is best for Livingston Parish. Sure. So uh, as, as I understand it, that bill for this year is, is no more or is, is dead. It's, it's, still on, it's still on the calendar. Um, but, you know, I'm still waiting to see if I'm going to do anything else with it. Gotcha. Moving on to HB 637, this one was interesting. Uh, you're looking to uh, try to, I believe, generate private investment into education by providing uh, tax credits uh, for businesses that invest in school programs. Mm -hmm. what, kind of, what kind of programs were you thinking? So, you know, there's no... This is HB 637, by the way. Yes. So, you know, I'm, look, I'm very proud of our school system. Um, I'm extremely proud of the career technical education opportunities that we have. College-bound students is as important as career-bound students, and we do a great job in our parish of, of giving those opportunities. Um, I, I have a lot of tours that come here and see the great things that we're doing. I bring them to Walker High School, and, um, you know, consequently, you know, we, we created a, a CTE, Career Technical Education Task Force. How do we duplicate some of the successes that we have here in Lewisham Parish across the state? Um, and part of that is investment. You know, we're in, we're in a, a, a you know community where we have a lot of opportunities. We can we can generate investments from from businesses, but not every every community across the state has that. So there's a limitation, you know. And we wanted to generate um, an incentive for for business to make investment in these programs. Um, while we were having those conversations, the Baton Rouge area um, chamber reached out to me, um, and they actually wanted to um, to extend this to for internships. They wanted to be able to give a tax credit for for companies who invest in internships and high demand, high wages um, um, positions. And, and so that's the direction we went off in working with uh, the Amiant River Bay, um, or the Baton Rouge uh, area chamber. Um, we started putting this together. Uh, the problem is, is, you know, right now, currently in the state, uh, it may shock you to know that we give away seven and a half billion dollars in tax credits and rebates, seven and a half billion. Um, this year alone, we had one day, it was a tax credit day, we had requests from around the state. We had a billion dollars in tax credits requested from us in one day at the state capitol this year. I'm on the Ways and Means Committee and they come through, come through our committee. So, you know, we have, our, our tax system is complicated. It's complicated because of our taxing structure, but it's also complicated because we take in so much money and we give it, we give it back in credit. We need to simplify all those things. So this year, we as a as a committee, we've pretty much have tried to just stay away from giving the credits anymore, and um and we backed off. It's a fiscal year; all the fiscal bills come through us. Two years ago, we had a uh, tax reform that we put in place. We really don't know what the effects of that until this year's um you know tax season's through, and we can actually see what those that that looks like. So tax reform this year has been 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 a little stalled because we're trying to see what what we what the impacts are from two years ago. But this tax credit bill, this is something that I'm probably going to put aside, probably do a, a resolution and try to work towards some more guardrails for something that we can present potentially in the future. And sometimes you've got to put a bill together and put it out there before some people who you never knew would be interested pop up and say, wait, this is a problem. And right. it's like, oh, OK. Uh, so, you know, it happens from time to time. But yep. 
moving in the right direction. So talking about, um, you brought up resolutions. Uh, you've got four on the table this year. Uh, let's run through those real quick uh, as we wrap up, because I know mm-hmm. we got to get you up to the legislature uh, to do your job during this time of the year. Uh, so <clears throat> House Concurrent Resolution 9, uh, this is another Veterans Affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, this one's not a bill. It's a resolution. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's regarding a Purple Heart Trail around the Capitol. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, again, you know, we talked about our veterans earlier, and, you know, look, I, I think we have to do everything we can to honor our veterans in every capacity. Um, this year, you know, I was a part of, of Denham Springs becoming the, the sixth Purple Heart City, the sixth Purple Heart City in the state. Walker became the seventh. Uh, if you remember, our cadets, our, our ROTC cadets from both campuses uh, were able to put that together. And, um, and the VA has asked me to, uh, to designate a Purple Heart Trail at the Capitol. And um, and this is at their request, but this is a, this will be a House concurrent resolution. A concurrent resolution goes to the Senate as well. Just a House resolution stays in the House, um, but this is a this is a resolution to enable that. Uh, and you know, uh, a worthy cause, yep, I believe. Absolutely. Another concurrent resolution that you have on the books, which is House Concurrent Resolution Seventeen. That last one was nine. If I didn't mention it, uh, this continues uh, the task force that you you and I have discussed several years in a row. Correct. Uh, it's called the Teacher Recruitment, Recovery, and Retention Task Force. Obviously, looking at a lot of ways uh, to try to train, recruit, and retain teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the name. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what this resolution is about. You know, I don't think it's any secret to anyone around the state that we're in a crisis right now with our teacher workforce. And, you know, we formed this task force several years ago with trying to identify reasons for that decline in our workforce and try to p- implement changes to, to offset that or to circumvent that or to prevent it. And um, for two years, you know, um, Dr. Kim Hunter-Reed, the, the, high, the commissioner of higher ed, has, has chaired it, co-chaired it, and staffed that commission, um, that task force. And we've done some phenomenal work for two years, so much that um, they've asked for us to, to extend it for two more years. So that's, this is just an extension of something uh, that's been working very well for us. Okay. So, uh, and of course, those were both concurrent resolutions. This is just a House resolution. Uh, this is number 85. Uh, and this is about the basically Moripal Swamp mm-hmm. uh, protection area or the management area, no, mm-hmm. protection area. Uh, so tell us a little bit about where you're looking to go with this. Yeah, if you, if you know me, you know I'm, I'm not a coat and tie guy, but you also know that I'm an, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love to hunt. Um, I've been uh, running deer with dogs all of my life. It's, um, it's such a rich tradition and a rich culture in, um, in, in Louisiana. Um, in 20, uh, 2001, the state began acquiring the, uh, what is now called the Marpaul Swamp Wildlife Management Area. Um, this, was, this was areas that had been traditionally run with, with dog hunting. It's very swampy, very, a lot of lakes and so, more, so forth. And um, when the state acquired the land, they basically cut out dog hunting in that area. Um, and that was, I think that started in, in 2001. So we've had, you know, you had a, um, an area that had a rich tradition of a hunting method that was removed. And um, the management area is about 122,000 acres. So um, I've, I've met with wildlife and fisheries, we're working with them, and we've asked them to propose regulations and guidelines and suggestions for reintroducing that, um, that method of hunting into the management area. We've asked, you know, we've identified an area of about 9,700 acres. So it's about 8.6% of the total management area. And, um, you know, as a state, I think we need to do everything we can to, to create as many hunting opportunities as we can. 
Um, as a legislator, I believe in utilizing um, our natural resources to the best of our ability. And as a hunter, of course, I believe in, um, in, in the traditions and the cultures that, that, that I've, you know, I've been blessed to, to experience. So for me, this is just an opportunity to do all three. And, um, and we're going to ask Wildlife and Fisheries to put a plan together and present it back to us, and we'll see where it goes from there. Gotcha. So it uh, be interesting to see, like you said, it's only about 8.6%, so, yep. uh, and something that used to be uh, done avidly That's in right. that area. That's right, absolutely. So last but certainly not least, as we wrap the show up, uh, H.R. 128 or House Resolution 128, I believe you testified on this yesterday. This is about trying to find a better solution for the traffic in front of Live Oak High School on Highway 16 in the morning and the afternoon, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so, you know, I was a school board member 10 years ago whenever the Live Oak High School, the new facility was, was, uh, was, was completed. Um, and it's a great campus. You know, Live Oak High School is um, it's a gem in our state. It's a, it's a gem, uh, you know, it's probably one of our higher performing schools in our parish. Um, they do a phenomenal job. Livingston Parish, the economic engine of our, school, of our, of our parish is our school system. Um, and, you know, and we have, a, a, you know, we're growing because of that. So the traffic up there since that school was constructed has been horrendous on the 16, as you know. And, um, you know, I remember when Senator Erty and at, at the time Representative Pope uh, put in some capital outlay for some turning lanes. So they did the turning lanes when they constructed the campus. Uh, but we still have a, a significant issue and right there at 1019 or, or Old Highway 16 at the red light. It next down from four lanes to two lanes. And then, you know, the, the, the congestion is horrible going past the high school. So, um, you know, I've been working with DOTD. They have no opposition to the resolution. Um, I've asked them to study that area from 1019 to up to 4 Road, which is, I think, Highway 1022. Uh, it's about a 2.4-mile stretch, and, um, and I've asked them to give us some suggestions on how we can alleviate that traffic congestion. You know, for me, it, the natural thing is an extension of the four-lane highway past that point. Um, but we're going to let uh, DOT give us that. And um, look, I've been I've been extremely engaged and um, and active in capital outlay in, in my district. Um, we've got more capital outlay going on right now than we probably have ever had. Um, working with Senator Pope um, and you know working with with Speaker Shake Snyder as well as you know Senator Erty in the past, the foundations, some of the work that he had done. Uh, we've got a lot of great things going on. But we've got a tremendous amount of need. Our infrastructure is 20 to 30 years behind. Um, I've been focused in my district, the, the District 71, um, but I've also heard since that campus was constructed on the issues that they've had, and I've been asked by some residents to try to do something about it. And this is the first step to try to get a plan together, get DOTD to tell us what the plan is, and then the next step for me would be, uh, the next year would be to try to go after some capital outlay. Gotcha. Well, thank you for running us through your, your bills and your resolutions that you have up this year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as we discussed, we got to get you up there. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. If you'll introduce yourself, please. Uh, yes. Uh, Buddy Mincy Jr., state representative from District 71, which is primarily all of Denver Springs and the city limits of Walker. And my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys out there for joining us for the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. Please remember the news is on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. We are once a week in print on Thursdays. It's $7 a month to get that in your mailbox. We're also online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. One last time, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time.